Welcome back to another episode of The Close-Up, a part of the Orlando Magic HQ network. Uh, we got a great show today. We have one of my favorite guests who's I've had on this show of my old generation. This is the first time with Keith on on the new version since I've joined HQ. Uh, Keith Smith, what's going on, Keith? How you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, happy to be here with, with you, and I'm glad we uh, found time to make this work. Yeah, yeah. We are recording this on Monday, January 15th, um, bright and early for the for people living on my side of town, the West Coast. Uh, it's 8.30 for Keith. It's 11.30. The Magic played the, the Nets later today on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, so, Keith, again, thank you for taking out the time. For those of you who are not familiar with Keith, though, I imagine you are if you are nerdy enough to listen to my show. Um, he's got a great daily podcast, mostly daily. I think it's more like five days a week, possibly. Yeah, uh, Monday through the, Friday. The front office show where they break down all the, the transactions and rumors and latest goings around the league, which is great. I listen to that most days as well. Um, and then he's a contributor for Spot Track uh, with all the cap stuff and, and contracts and, and those types of things. And I'm sure we'll get into all that. But if you've read, uh, if you've ever clicked on that website and clicked on an NBA player, you've probably read Keith's work. So uh, that's the way I like to look at it. Um, before we get into the conversation with Keith, I just want to remind all of the listeners of a few things that we have going on at HQ. Um, first off, our Instagram subscriber program. It's been going off. We've been getting a few new uh, subscribers the last couple of days. So shout out to you all. But if you don't know about it, it's $5. Um, gets you into our group chat, gets you up to 20% off select home games for the Magic. Um, we do monthly live like round tables, Q and A's with, with you all, um, you know, send out custom graphics and stuff like that. And then we do uh, the, the fun stuff, the ex exclusive posts and reels and stories and stuff just for you guys. So um, if you're interested, that five bucks really helps us out a long ways. We give most of it back to you guys anyways, by improving the show and doing giveaways. So consider that if you want to help us out. And then finally, um, we have this podcast is sponsored by bet online. Um, the playoffs are in big action right now uh and the nba is in full swing bet online has you covered with all the up to top to the second odds news and scores with the additional odds lines trends and information on both desktop and mobile you can access the world's best wagering information anytime um sports betting is a little bit challenging for me out here in california so bet online is where i go uh, it's a little bit easier for Keith over in Florida. I'm not sure. Keith, are you using bet online? Or are you using other platforms or do you not sports bet? Yeah, I'm not a sports gambler. I, I, I keep keep my money in my pocket. That's the <laughs> smart way to do it. That's that's really a smart way. So I, I do the same since I simply can't most of the time. But if I choose to, I would use bet online. Um, head over there today to get into the action and see all the updates updated odds remember to use promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v believe to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts and yeah we're also part of the believe podcast network so all right keith we got all that out of the way now we can talk some magic basketball um before we get into the trade stuff and and, and listeners that's what this show is going to mostly be about is kind of the trade season and how that's shaping up 
Uh, Keith is a local to Orlando. Uh, been you know he he covers the, the league in a wide way, but you know he does get to see a lot of closer content with the Magic and 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 go to games and cover them when he chooses to. Um, Keith, the Magic are twenty one and eighteen. Uh, they obviously had the strong start to the season. They hit the injury bug really hard recently. Um, just in general, how are you feeling about this team this season and also kind of like in this moment? Yeah, for the season, great step forward season for the Magic. Uh, I think we're all looking for them to give us signs of all right, we're ready to turn the rebuild in a different direction, right? Toward, toward more positive towards winning less about development development's still there of course they've got so many young guys but really let's start seeing results that, that are positive in the standings and they get off to the incredible start unfortunately over the last really it's been a, a month or more because there's been at least one key guy out it feels like every game if not multiple key guys and that's caught up with them a little bit the depth is I, I hesitate to say the depth is bad or it's not there. It's just very young and unproven for the most part. Yeah. So what you're seeing is a guy like Anthony Black, who I think the team's hope was if he forces his way into the lineup, it's because he's great and he made it past a bunch of guys. But instead, he's playing a lot because we don't have anybody else at the guard position. So you have to play a lot. So in the long run, it's probably going to be really good for Anthony Black and good for the Magic. But right now in the short term, it can be kind of messy at times. And, and and I'm only using him as one example of several, you know, starting Caleb Houston and Chumo KK recently. Like that's no, that's nowhere that's where tough. the magic thought they would be at any point. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's definitely cost them some wins and the like, what's good is they haven't like gone through a free fall. It's not like they've been on a 10 game losing streak and now they're under 500 and they're down around the nine, 10, 11, 12 range. And, fighting for the playing tournament they're still right there to be a top six team heck they're only a couple games behind the Cavs for a top four seed so they're they're still very much in the mix and and that's encouraging that it's even though they're going through this rough period which should eventually pass we'll knock on wood lightly so my dogs don't go bananas um but we should get there eventually with them so that that part of it is is encouraging that they have yes they've slipped but they're still kind of they're hanging in there, I guess, is the best way to put it over the last month or so. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to touch on a couple of things you, you mentioned there. You, you talked about how this is not a development year for the Magic. And, and I agree to an extent that this is not a development year where it's like we're forcing certain guys to get playing time. That shouldn't be normally if they were like trying to win. Um, you know, we're not forcing Jet Howard, as frustrating as some fans are, on the court to just, you know, play 25 minutes a game or, or whatever. Um, you know, the Magic team is trying to win. But I have said this in a few, you know, a few states that, you know, we are now developing for Paulo, right? And the best way for Paulo to develop right now is to get to the playoffs and learn what that is all about. Same with Franz and Suggs, right? You know, we've started to establish some of our core guys. Um, you know, there, there's two different types of development. Uh, and I think the teams have to get to those stages organically. And I think, you know, the team is doing what they're doing now. But I, I truly think the best way for this team to develop at this point is to get to that playoff, um, you know, or, or play in however the season lays out, you know, but they got to get to those high pressure games where, where it's the season's on the line, you know, and, and that's sort of uh, sort of where I think that like the next best stage of development is for this for this team. 
Um, you're right though, Keith. Like we are playing guys at bigger roles. We always talked about this depth on this team. Uh, you know, at least Magic fans coming into the season, I was like, oh, it's so much better than it used to be. And you know, from game five, we we had uh, two guys that were on on the third string of the bench. Um, Anthony Black and Goga Batadze entered into the starting lineup for for twenty something games until um, you know Wendell Carter has been back in and out of the lineup a little bit. And, you know, Mark Helfoltz just got back, and we're seeing how coaches integrating um, that. So far, Anthony Black hasn't been out of the lineup because Fultz came back in, but that's who Black came in for initially was was Mark Helfoltz. So it's been really interesting to see the you know coach get a little bit more experimental and and use his roster differently than I think he planned. Um, what has been some of your takeaways from Coach Mosley so far this season compared to like the last two seasons? Yeah, I would say there were these signs in the last couple of years where the team played hard uh, under him the last couple of years, no matter what uh, the situation was, which is that's always a good thing, right? They, they were let's call it what it is. They were a terrible team two years ago. Last yeah. year, they played much better after the first third or so of the season. Like, you know, shocking. You need guards in the NBA, right? Surprisingly. And all of ours were broken. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 I, you know, as much as I love Paolo and Franz, I don't love them as the one and the two. <laughs> like that, that yeah. was, uh, you know, in, in these ridiculous lineups that quite frankly, they really had no other choice. So right. it is, you know, it, it again, some some respects, I would say that's making you know taking lemon lemons and making lemonade because Paolo and Franz got a ton, a ton of on ball reps, which certainly helped them. Was it super messy? Yeah, it was super messy because you're talking about a three and a four doing most of your primary playmaking, but they got a lot out of it. This year, now you're seeing some of the stuff where it is all right, getting the guys to play hard, getting guys in the right spots. Those are all still there. Now what you're starting to see is some game management stuff. To your point, some creativity. I think the idea of over the last, what's it been, about a week and a half or so of let's put Suggs more on the ball in the point guard role. Yeah. Somewhat driven out of necessity, but Cole Anthony's still there. The easy trigger would have been just put Cole in the starting group and we'll we'll move forward that way. But I think they've hit a point where it's, Cole Anthony's best role for this team in particular, and probably in my opinion, his best role period is as a high usage sixth man. And that's, that's sometimes people take that as like a criticism of a guy. And I always point to Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams had like 20 year careers as high usage six men. Like there's no Correct. reason that that's a bad thing. Good teams have players like that. They, Jordan Carson think, now kind of is in that role. I mean, granted yeah, he's yep. his team's now, but before that very competitive teams with him there, those jazz Absolutely. teams. Yeah. Malik Monk plays that mm -hmm. role for the Kings who, who are a pretty good team right now. So yeah, there's a lot of guys who, who that's the role they fill and that's, that's just fine. So I, I think that creativity to say, you know, we're going to go with some different options right now. And and I think a lot of it with for Jamal Mosley, especially over the last couple of weeks, has been, let's see what we got in a couple of these guys. And to your point, if this was a full-scale development season still, we would see Jet Howard playing 25 minutes a night because why not, right? Plug him in there and just see what it looks like. But instead, it's Caleb Houston and Chumo KK and the opinion of the coaching staff are – they're a little bit closer to helping us win games today. So we're maybe a lot. I don't really know where they're fully at with Jed Howard. But so that's those are the guys we're going to play and we're going to move forward with that. So that that becomes the interesting stuff. And now you're seeing his game management skills come to shine where it is. 
all right, we're trying to actually win, so I can't just let Paulo play through foul trouble because if he fouls out, who cares? It doesn't matter. Right now, I've we're I want him in there in the fourth quarter, so I'm going to sit him and I'm going to try some different stuff. I thought uh, going to Batadze uh, versus going to Mo was kind of an inspired choice. There again, leave Mo in the role where he's super comfortable, invaluable as the energy big and the th- all the things he brings to the floor that way. So I think all that stuff is showing. All right, this guy came in right away with the he's great with people he's going to be good with the kids he's going to make them work hard but now you're seeing he's more than that as a coach he's actually a pretty good game coach too and a pretty good uh navigating the ups and downs through a season which that to me is that becomes for where the magic are going almost more valuable because now it's now you've set the tone of hey, if you don't work here you're not going to be here you're you're just right or you may be here but you're not going to play and that those things are now that's established so now it's all about all right that's great you did that but that's only going to take us so far how how can you get us even further and i think he's done a great job with that he's definitely i i was pretty critical of him in many aspects over the last couple of years not that i was like calling for his head or anything but just like you know, the, the areas of calling out areas of improvement. And it's great because granted, you know, the, the team has taken a step too, but it's like he came in as a rookie and I've gotten to see him grow as a coach too. You know, coaches yep. grow too. They don't come in as polished products, ready to win <laughs> that bring a team to a finals, you know, and in year one, they have to grow as well. And and you've really seen that with, with coach Mosley too. Um, yeah. Granted, he had a Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, it's it's like we everybody's like, hey, Paolo might take two, three years to really figure it out. But for some reason, we're like, coach better have it down game two. Like, you yeah. got a game. <laughs> well, what's your problem now? Right. And it's like, and that's not a magic thing. That is a league wide thing. Right. Every team's fan base feels that way. You you know, I, I used to, I'm, I'm a Celtics guy because I grew up in Boston, but I used to cover them day to day up until this season and covering them day to day through the Ime Udoka experience followed by the Joe Missoula experience yeah. in year one, was very much the same stuff. People were like, how does this mm-hmm. guy not get it? And it's like, because he, he's the, he's in his first year as a coach and he's only got 20 games under his belt. And then in Missoula, it's like, well, he got the job like a week ago. <laughs> where, are we, yeah. where are we going with this? So sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I mean, that's, no, it's fine. it is funny how that is like a very much a consistent fan thing around the NBA of like the coach better figure it out way faster than the players. And yeah, he probably should, but it still takes time to learn how to coach too. And let's be realistic with Moe's. He wasn't coaching under the best circumstances in right. his first couple of years out. Like we touched on last year, it was like, hey, guess what? You're going to have to figure this out, and you don't have anybody who's dribbled the ball more than three times consecutively in their life. Like, good luck, coach. <laughs> you know, see, see, you, see you in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, who, no, who's going to look good in that situation? I was actually going to bring it to the Joe Missoula aspect on how you've, you know, you've seen that firsthand as well from, from your perspective from the Celtics years. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's been fun to see him grow. Um, it's fun to see him actually have like a competent roster that, you know, granted the last two, three weeks have been a shit show with, with injuries. Um, it's gotten it, you know, it was manageable up and kind of till, till about Franz rolling his ankle. And then like, in the Sacramento, we started like there was like a you know a cold or some sort of bug that's been going around the entire team. Um, thankfully, though, like when we played the Heat the other night um, on Friday, that the Magic got Mark Fultz back and Joe Ingles back. They rested them on the back to back with OKC, uh, but they brought Jonathan Isaac back that game. And now today, when they play the Knicks. 
they're starting to get some bodies back. All three of those guys are expected to play and be in the rotation today with Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, and Joe Ingles. That second unit really thrives with Joe Ingles kind of being that secondary ball handler, which I think, you know, allows Cole to be his best self even more having someone to help, you know, like I describe it like this, Keith, like the front, the, the, the starting lineup has a lot more uh, people that can make decisions with the balls in their hands where the second unit has like one or two of those guys. And then people that can make a, a, you know, make a shot. It's more catch and shoot more, you know, cut to the basket, but less playmaking as, as the front, the starting lineup has. But now that we got Joe back, it's, it really helps mold that second unit around a bit and, and helps such a them. good passer, right? When you watch so him smart. day to day, like, yeah, yeah. he's just, it's people focus on, especially at his age on all the things he can't do. Yeah. And because of that, they miss all the things he does do. Like, and yeah. it's, it's, that was when they signed him. I was like, all right, it's a little bit of an odd signing the amount of money they gave him. Sure. But you had to spend it on somebody. And my thought was, Hey, if that's, Hey, we got to overpay you a little bit to get you. I was like, he, because a lot of people are like, well, he's never going to play. I was like, oh, he's going to play because he's going to be a stabilizing force when yeah. he's in there just because of all the different stuff he does. And that's been, that has been great to see. Because to your point, yeah, now it doesn't all fall on Cole's shoulders of, mm. all right, you got to figure it all out, man. Like, you got the next eight minutes of game time and it's, it's you. It's still you. Like, you're still going to be kind of the primary guy here. And yeah. we'll see. And I think, one adjustment I think I want to see Mosley make, and we'll see when, if this team's ever fully healthy or at least mostly healthy or whatever their kind of final form looks like is, and I think it'll come is when you're playing the really big games against really good teams, which are kind of your playoff proxies and what it might look like in the postseason, staggering Paulo and Franz a little bit more. Yeah. Where you know, one of them, like – to go back to Boston, one of the things Missoula does, and he's kind of this was a Brad Stevens thing that carried to Eme, carried over to Missoula, is Tatum or Brown comes out about six minutes into the first quarter, and then the other one basically finishes out the first quarter or very close, and then the other one comes in, and then they they get about six minutes or so to themselves. You know what I mean when I say to themselves, yeah, but like totally. they're kind of keying the second unit, and then they close out the half together. Um, for the final six minutes. And that's what I would like to see Mosley go to a little bit. There's a little bit too much of still too many all or almost all bench lineups for me, where mm-hmm. once you're into the stage of we're trying to win games, and I think it'll come because the rotation will naturally shrink. A couple guys who are getting 10 minutes a game will, will just won't get any. And that's where you do. But that's where I'd like to see him stagger that out a little bit more with Paulo and Franz, just because we're to the point where those are the two best guys on the team. One of the two of them should probably be on the floor at almost all times. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. That's a, that's a sentiment I've, I've said on the show a few times now um, and will continue to say as well, like he staggers them a bit. Can he stagger them even harder? Um, yeah. and, and, and as you mentioned, you know, right now he's playing a 10 man lineup, sometimes 11 man, sometimes he'll sneak a guy in there for like six minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, when we get to that last quarter of the season, maybe even sooner when the playoffs, you know, standings really start counting for this team that should be in the playoffs. Um, you know, hopefully he's narrowing it down to a solid 10 or nine man rotation. And, and we see that staggering a little bit harder. We saw it more last season. Um, I think that was a little bit out of necessity though, just yeah. because of, 
of injuries and the like law lineups just being weird. I mean, you know, it's like you, you can't, we learned pretty quick that bowl bowl was not the option. Um, <laughs> and so like you had to stagger them a little bit more uh, last year, but, but I agree with you hundred percent on that, Keith, I'd love for him to, to push it even harder in that envelope with, or with that area in, in with, with, with Franz and Paulo a little bit more. They had a lot of success with that last year. And, and I think they can bring it back this year even harder, but I think that's probably like a second half or type of move that he pulls, you know, even maybe the last third of the season is, mm-hmm. is when he, we might see that. Um, it's yeah, we'll see. I, I'm excited for it. It's going to be really cool to see him like get really aggressive towards the end of the season with his rotations and, and see how that plays out. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Keith. So, um, the, the main topic, uh, and one of the reasons I love tuning into your show, you break everything down so well. Um, you know, I actually didn't get a chance to listen to yesterday's show unless you had, maybe you didn't put out a show yet, but you know, we had a, we had a trade yesterday with the, with the, yeah, we haven't done it yet. We're going to record a little okay. later this afternoon. Uh, good, we'll good. I, that. I, that wasn't that like one... emergency worthy. You know? <laughs> yeah. That one was, 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 that was a couple tiers under needing to jump yeah, on the yeah. mics uh, on a Sunday afternoon, especially when but, like we're both running around doing stuff yeah, on the weekends. It's, the, and all it's that. a we're like, holiday yeah, weekend, you know? Yeah. Pr- probably not. Pr- probably don't need to do an emergency podcast uh, on a trade between two of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> so bef- before we get into like magic specifically uh, or specifics on, on trades and rumors and potentials and all that stuff, how is this trade season shaped up so far um, between, you know, like the floodgates are like kind of opened earlier in December with, I think it was like December 18th or the 8th or whatever, when, when uh, a bunch of people were trade eligible. And then just yesterday, um, a, a bunch more were eligible guys that re-signed contracts with their same teams, like for the magic, that would be a uh, Mo Wagner being eligible to be traded, not saying he's going to be traded, but he's now eligible to be traded, um, you know, today. So just in general, how's this, how's this landscape of trade season shaping up in your opinion? It's really interesting uh, trade market this year. What's happened over the last few seasons is the advent of the play in tournament. More teams are alive longer. Usually by the time you get to the beginning part of January, middle of January, certainly by the time you get to the trade deadline in early February, you've got about almost a third of the team, that a third of the league that's kind of like, all right, we're out of it. Like, let's reprioritize for the rest of this year. Over the last couple of years, instead of being a third of the league, that's been like four or five teams because teams are still kind of in there. Like a good example, last year's magic. They made such a good run that it was not necessarily the place to be like, all right, let's start selling off pieces. Like they did a couple years prior when it was Fournier and Vooch and all the guys got moved when that was just a, Hey, the read on this team is we're not going to be good enough. Let's start moving guys. This one was a spot where, or, or last year especially was so many teams were in it. So now we're in a spot where this year's starting to shape up a little bit differently. We have had some truly terrible teams this year. We've had San Antonio, Detroit, Charlotte, Washington, Portland, uh, yeah, Portland. Yeah. So, so we're getting close. It's not, it's not going to be a third, but it's probably going to be more like seven, eight teams that are sitting there. And you may have a couple teams that are kind of hanging in the fringes of the race that then look at it and say, yeah, not for us. Not where we really want to be. Not what's best for us as a franchise. Let's move. Like you could still see Toronto 
say, hey, we're taking a step back the rest of this season, but it's in hopes of being able to take a big step forward next year and get back to the level we're used to being at. Atlanta's in the same boat. Atlanta might, by the time we get to the trade deadline, it might be too far gone for them to make a trade to save this year. So you might see them make a trade where it is, hey, this is designed, the rest of this year will be what it'll be, and then we'll go. Memphis is a perfect example of that. I mean, the wheels have come off for them injury-wise. They've got more guys hurt than than aren't hurt right now. It's ridiculous. And it's like every starter and you know key player that they have has some kind of injury. So for them, I think it's, yeah, we're really reprioritizing and saying, it's over this season. Like, this year is done. We'll figure it out. So that's going to add to... You add that amount of teams to there's got to be probably, I know off the top of my head, talking to teams around the league, seven, eight teams that are like, we're in it. We have a chance. So now you've got a third of the league-ish or maybe even slightly, slightly less, but in that range that feel like, yeah, we're in it. Then you have teams like Orlando that are, if we're being honest, probably not title contenders this year, but contenders to play important games all the way through the season and into the postseason. So for them, making a trade, it is probably not the time, and I'm probably stepping on a future topic here, okay. but it's probably not the time to make the sole all-in trade, and here it is, we traded all our picks, and we did everything we had to to you know, go all-in. It's probably a year too early for that, but a smaller trade where it is, this establishes us as a playoff team, that's important to them, and that makes sense. So those are the kind of different tiers you have of teams. And to me, that says we're going to have a really interesting trade market. I'll also add, I think we've got teams that are very unbalanced rosters, meaning we've got some teams that they've just got too many forwards. Other teams have too many guards. Other teams have too many bigs and not enough playmaking or whatever it may be. And I think we could even see some some trades where it's like the Orlandos of the world trade with the uh, who's it? Like a Dallas, and I'm just and picking that out of thin air. Sure, yeah. but hey, we're just doing a little bit of a rebalancing trade. We need this, and and you've got it. You need this, and we've got it. It's it's not going to impact probably ultimately where either one of us finishes as far as we're now a finals favorite or anything. But it helps both of us firm up what we are because you're trading from a position of strength, and so are we, and we're, we're a good match. I think we're going to see some trades like that, too, which have been somewhat uncommon in the NBA over the years, where teams are basically, it's always almost always the typical good team is trading with bad team because good team offers draft picks, young players, to bad team, bad team offers win now player. We're going to get some of those, too. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I think there are the potential exists to have some more uh, rebalancing type trades as well as we go. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting, too, because you have, you know, some big, big teams that are clearly going to make moves like, you know, the the Lakers are going to make a move. There's tons of buzz around the Warriors that are going to make a move. Um, you know, there's, there's the question mark teams, like you were mentioning, you mentioned Toronto, I'm going to throw out Chicago out there. There's, that's still a, the, a big question mark on how they're going to act. I don't know so much about teams in the West, which ones kind of fit into that question mark. Utah is um, a team. Utah, people yeah, are I guess you're right. Looking at, they're playing great right now, mm-hmm. but the question is they're kind of going to have to make the decision of, is this really sustainable? Right. Are we playing a little over our heads? you know, right now in the moment, totally. and 
you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Cause it's, it would be very Danny Ainge to say, yeah, we're in the playoffs right now, but it's, we're just going to get bounced. So yeah. I'm going to move guys and get draft picks and we'll figure this out instead. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, they're, they're that kind of team. And then, and then there's a few teams, you know, as you were mentioning, wanting to make the jump, like, you know, the, like the Kings have been in that, that like, they want to go from we're a playoff team to we're, we're, you know, take that really next step and, and push for, for top team and the, you know, not top team, but to be a more competitive team at a higher level. So I'm looking forward to, to all the noise. We've, we've had a few moves already, which is really exciting. Um, just, just to, cause any move is a fun move, even if it's minor. I love thinking about the Detroit move yesterday and what that meant for them. <laughs> no, not on the Marvin Bagley contract anymore. And, and there's less bigs in the rotation, but now they have these other vets. Maybe it's, maybe it's better instability for them. Like I, I, I'll, well, I'll get my geek out when you release your next episode on that trade, but that's like, so, you know, that, that it's, it's fun. It's exciting. Trades are great. Um, I, w- I want to think about the magic for a second, right? So um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the magic have done the, this front office. I'm, I'm trying to phrase my thoughts correctly. This front office has been in, in town for the magic on those seven ish years. Now I forget the exact year they showed up, but they've been around for a little bit. And They've done a trade every single year they've been around. The first trade was moving Victor Al- or um, Alfred Payton. Um, you know, I think that the year after that was uh, James Ennis coming, or or maybe that was the year after that. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but they've they've done something every single year, whether it's moving a guy that they didn't see a part of their future for, you know, some sort of draft asset coming back. Um or or something a little bit more uh fun like getting going and getting Markel Fultz or the big one where they blew up the team they've done something every single year um and so first off i think my my just my overall thought that i want to get out to to the magic community is i would expect a trade i don't know how big and i don't know how small but something will happen because we have you know sevenish years of evidence of it happening um I think when I, I look at this magic team, we have a lot of like, I don't want to step on, on, on what you're going to stand, but like we have a lot of tools that we can use for our advantage right now. And I do think I am in alignment with you that I'd be surprised if they did the big all in move where they're trading multiple picks and players to get that third kind of solidified star um, for this roster, right? You know, shoring up the point guard position or or the center role or something like that, or just getting another really great two-way wing player uh, to add into the lineup. So I don't, I agree with you. I don't think that's what we're going to see, but there's, that doesn't mean we're not going to see something. And I think what we do see is probably going to be pretty exciting. Um, I have my thoughts on this, but I want to pitch it to you first. When you look at this magic roster, what, what kind of draft or sorry, what kind of trade assets do you see um, being at this team's availability right now for, for them in this deadline? And, you know, even, even going forward to an extent, we can talk a little bit about how these are applicable to the, to the off season as well. Yeah. It's funny because you kind of foreshadowed a little bit when you said draft and then changed to trade because draft assets are part of this for the magic, right? They, they have all of their own first round picks. They've got that extra Denver pick that'll come probably uh, next year. I think that's the first year they can get it. And barring disaster, I'm pretty sure Denver's not going to be a bottom five team. Um, So they're going to get that. So 
I would say of their draft assets outside of the trade where it's like, hey, we threw a second round pick in to grease the skids. That happens every year yeah. um, with multiple teams. I think that Denver pick could move because I think if you're the magic, it's one where if a team's like, hey, we got to sell, we got a first round pick for player X in this trade in addition to whatever the matching salary is, you could trade that pick because one, doesn't really hurt you because you're you have all your own picks. Nothing prevents you from doing anything else. And now you move that one and it's realistically, it's going to be somewhere probably in the bottom five picks of the first round. So you kind of toss that in as the little extra, you know, in a trade um, there, if that's what they want to do. But as far as players go, there's a lot more tradable guys on this magic roster as far as ease of trading, not saying they will trade them, not saying they want to or anything like that, but just ease of trading guys. They don't have a single bad contract that they're sitting on. Nothing even approaching a bad contract. Pretty much. The front office has done such a good job with it. I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's like you, you, that's one thing a lot of people like magic fans can get scared of is all, you know, they're going to do something that, that hurts us. I'm like, Where's the evidence of that? Because they haven't done anything that hurts us contract-wise. They've been yeah. so smart with, with how they've done this. In even the ones where it's maybe they, they, they paid a little more um, for, for a guy than what we thought, they kept it to like one or two years. or a, With a club option on the second year. Exactly. <laughs> and I like, I like to call those pseudo-expiring contracts because yeah. they're not really, but they might as well be. So even then, they're protected, or they do the non-guarantees. They love a non-guarantee on the end of a contract. So I think what's important there is that just makes it very easy. And they have a ton of contracts that are sitting right there in that sweet spot. It doesn't do great to have a whole bunch of dudes who make three or four million, because in order to make any significant trade, you have to put like four of them into a trade in a four for one trade in season. It's just hard to pull off because you don't have the extra roster spots. That means guys get waived. It just gets very messy to do something like that. But what the magic have is they've got a bunch of guys that make between like nine and 15 million, which that's the sweet spot. So you can basically take almost any two guys and get to 25, 30, 40 million, if that's where you need to be. And you're in a really good place with that. They were also miles under the luxury tax. So bringing in some extra salary and trades for some teams, that might be a little harder. They might be like, ah, bring it on five extra million this year. That's going to put us right at the tax or even over the tax. The magic don't have to worry about that. So these are all the positive things for if they want to make a trade. Now, as you start going through the players, you start looking at it and you're like, all right, Fultz, 17 million expiring. Harris, 13 million expiring. Ingles, I don't think going to go anywhere, but 11 million pseudo expiring because he's got that team option on the next year. Uh, same thing with Mo Wagner. He's 8 million, but got the team option. Then you have Isaac, 17.4 million, and his contract's fully non-guaranteed. You even have a guy like Chumo KK at $5.3 million. That's That's just a nice piece to be able to throw in if you need to get something over the top, where right. I know the last week and a half he's been starting, but in general, not a rotation guy, right? He's somebody who's at the back of the bench and is kind of out of it. So that's where I think they're well positioned. If and when they feel ready to make a move, they can make a move, and you can kind of do it with, Trading away a handful of those guys I just ran through. Not that they're bad players or, or anything like that, but they are, they're guys you, they're not 
core rotation guys, because in the case of like Isaac and Fultz, they're just not always there. So they've clearly learned how to get by without them. So if you could move them in a trade to get somebody who's much more stable, available uh, and a stable player like that and has a better health track record, that feels like almost an upgrade without saying, man, but we had to trade away player X who plays 30 minutes a night to get there because that's just not where they've been with these guys. So that's that's also sounds weird to say it because it's almost saying like, Injured players who aren't available a lot. What a good thing to have. But it's almost like if you could twist it a little bit as far as trades go, that is a kind of good thing to be be in position-wise. Yeah, I, man, you said a lot right there that, that resonates well with this team, um, you know, breaking down kind of movable players we have right now and whatnot. I, I do think that it's premature for Isaac. Um, just Garen, like, he could be moved. I'd be surprised if he would be moved. They seem so... Um, they so seem so invested into him on a different level uh, than they would someone like Markel Fultz. Not that they're not invested in Markel Fultz, but like Isaac has another year on contract. Plus, when you think about like elite skill sets and how Isaac still does like help us so much, um, and when he's out, he's come back relatively quickly. Like this is the longest stretch that he's missed this this season was was ten games. Um, there was another time he went out was back within a game or two. Um, and so it's like, I think they want to see him a little bit more throughout this season and, and maybe next year's the year they might move on from him. Um, but his skill set is just so hard to replace, but you're right. He's never available. And he has like 17 million on the cap sheets. They, they could, uh, use that if needed. And, and maybe, maybe that's like the off season guy that they throw into a big trade where a team is wanting to like take a flyer and see if he can finally be stabilized health wise, you know, long-term and, and get them into his rotation. Um, making this up. Just, sure. Just, but it, I think this this illustrates my my thought process on this quite well. Let's say because I don't think this is where they're at, so I don't want anybody getting sure. crazy with this. Hypothetical guys. Yeah. Let's say they were like Zach Levine's the dude, right? We got to right. go get Zach Levine. If that's where the Magic's mindset is, they are not going to let Jonathan Isaac be the stumbling block to getting. Sure. Right? This yeah. is not. We're just not there anymore. Right. And yeah. it's, it's just, we're, we're too far down the road of, all right, what are we going to have them for? 50 games, maybe on the sure. high end in a year. And what's that going to look like? So I think it's just, we, the mindset has changed, I believe, with that of, yeah, we're not, we're, we're no longer like, man, we're, once this dude gets back, because it's like, we, when, when, tell me when that will happen. And then, you know, we'll all be fully bought in. So I think, I think that's the slight difference. I don't think they're I don't think Jeff Waltman wakes up in the morning and starts calling the other twenty nine GMs and is like, What do you want to give me for Isaac? What do you want to right, give me for right. Isaac? I don't think that's the case. But I think again, let's say it was and the reason why I'm using Zach Levine is that's a big salary. You need to send out big salaries. Sure. So if you're if it was I need he Zach didn't Levine or Pascal Siakam into that same yeah, situation, I right? Need you know Chris Paul, right? Yeah. I need you know, I'm 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 you know, going I'm going big game hunting after one of these guys. Then yeah, then you have to offer bigger salaries to get there. And I think that's where it becomes, all right, if Jonathan Isaac is the cost of that, because I think the other thing the Magic can say at this point is, look, we did our best. Like, we did our due diligence. We tried. And I don't even think the Magic are going to worry too much about, man, if that dude blows up, like with Team team X that we trade him to, wow, we're going to look stupid because I think they're going to be like, hey, 
we they we, gave him we eight did years everything we could. Or, you know, we gave it our best seven, shot. Yeah. Just didn't go down that way. So I think that's that's where I like to always kind of clarify the difference between we're openly calling and shopping guys every single day versus when it when it gets down to it. Because the reality is the way the NBA trade rules work, you have to send something. Right. Yeah. They're not sitting forty million dollars under the salary cap where it's just bring us your guys and we'll go. Like that's not a thing anymore. So so that's just that that's why I like to kind of clarify that with some of their guys because I I I saw some of the reaction to Mark Stein's reporting and some of the reaction to Jake's reporting is the magic don't leak. They don't, they don't call people. That's just not how it works. Like, yeah, I don't think Jeff Weltman's calling reporters and saying, Hey, can you put it out there? We're shopping Carter and Fultz. I think what's probably more likely has happened is they've had a conversation with some other team. And then another team was like, yeah, you know, we were kind of talking to Orlando about Carter or Fultz. And that's how that kind of comes back around sure. to that. I'm not going to say I know for certain that's how it happened because it's not my reporting. It's not my original reporting. I, I would, I would, I, I, I'm just, I've been doing this a long time. I'm kind of putting pieces together of that's where I think this probably kind of came down is that's probably kind of how it's going. So I just, I, I think people get so caught up in, you know, we can't do this. Last piece I'll say just as a trade deadline kind of rule I have is whatever amount of untouchable players you think you have on your, your roster, it's way less, if any, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's way less because I know magic fans will say Franz Wagner is untouchable. So if the San Antonio Spurs said, we'll give you Victor Wembanyama for Franz Wagner, you're saying, no, you're not right. Like that there is every player in the league outside of who this is where I think people feel a lot of ways about Bill Simmons, but I thought his old trade value where it's like, if you're first on the list, you're the most untouchable player in the league. You would only ever get traded for number two. If you're number two, you don't, or you would never get traded. If you're number two, you'd only get traded for number one. If you're three, it's only two or one. And and even that is an imperfect way of ranking players by trade availability, because yeah, there are certain teams like, like, is LeBron untouchable? Yeah, right. There's no realistic world where the Lakers are trading. Is Jason Tatum untouchable? Yeah, there's no realistic world where the Celtics are trading him. Luca, but there's probably, if we really sat down and went through, there's probably 10-ish guys like that in the entire yeah. NBA, and that's probably on the high side. Now, untouchable, what I like to tell people is, you better blow us away, and you better be way overpaying and get real stupid. That's untouchable and realistic, like, that's you know? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Like, Franz is not untouchable, but the things that would have to happen to move him are probably not going to happen anytime exactly. soon, you know? Because yep. they're so, not going to happen in a way that makes sense for the other team. Right. Or, more importantly, that makes sense for the Magic. Right? Sure. We're, we're not in that position. Paolo, obviously, in that exact same boat. And I think yeah. there's a couple other guys that are probably in similar type discussions there. But it's just I see way too many people who are like, Nah, man, this guy's untouchable in trade. And it's like, he's your like eighth man. Like, it's right. not, no, he's not untouchable. Like, it, would I be surprised? Yeah, I'd probably be surprised if he gets traded, but let's not get a little too crazy with some of this stuff. You had mentioned it, uh, you, you know, just a few moments ago about about Jake and Mark. Let's let's get into that for a moment. So yeah. a little bit earlier, um, I think about a week ago now, Jake Fisher did a latest, like, you know, updating on his intel on rumors around the league. 
Um, and we could even and, and mix in Fultz, depending on how you want to break this down. Um, Mark Stein yesterday had his trade report go out. Um, uh, Jake Fisher mentioned that, yeah, I'll, I'll quote it too, Wendell Carter continues to be a name that a lot of league executives talk about as a potential trade candidate this February, being that Goga Patadze has done a phenomenal job uh, starting for Orlando. Mark, uh, Mark Stein, quote, um, you know, a shorter quote, Orlando is said to be exploring the trade market for guard Mark Helfel to his playing on a 17 million expiring contract. Um, when, when you hear those and you kind of mentioned it earlier, do you have, like, what are you taking away from those, from those quotes? And do you actually think there might be something there that, that might happen this season? I think what happens in trades quite often is let's just say we throw the salary matching rules out the window, but let's say the magic called the Spurs said, Hey, Isaac for one Binyama and the Spurs say no. And then the magic could, they wouldn't, but they could leak. Hey, we tried to trade for Victor one Binyama, right? Like sure. we, we had conversations about trading for him. Yeah. The conversation lasted a second and the answer was no. And the Spurs hung up and blocked your number and you can't ever call him again. But like, that's that's what happens sometimes. I think when you start getting multiple reporters talking about a guy like Carter, and I think Jake's phrasing was interesting where it's multiple league executives, that's probably other teams are either doing one of two things. Either they've had some conversations, probably likely, clearly hasn't gotten very far because we're not, we haven't seen a trade, or, nor have we gotten a, like, that's Siakam Kings trade. Like, that was... Mm-hmm obviously got pretty close to be reported the way it was. And then it didn't happen. We we're not even there. We're not even at that level. Right. Right. So I think what there probably is, is a big part of these guys jobs, which especially at this time of year is you're talking to somebody every single day about something. And it could be as simple as a team called and said, Hey, what would it take to get Franz? And the magic are like, it's going to take a lot. And you don't have enough. And there's nothing we want from you. Okay, well, what about Carter? Oh, okay, well, what are you thinking, right? And then that could be a way where then that comes out is, yeah, we had some conversation about Wendell Carter. Or it may even be just, you know, informed speculation of, man, Batadze's played really well. And they got Mo Wagner. Do they really need Carter anymore? Could he be a guy you can go get? Because... He's not sitting on a $40 million contract. He makes a very reasonable salary. So so that's where it's it. And then I think with Fultz, it's kind of a combination of that and some of the Isaac conversation we had of, are we ever going to get him on the floor for enough games where we say, yes, he is part of the core going forward? I think we're kind of getting to the point where that ship may have sailed. And if not, we're like, like a cruise ship making the like, hey, you better get on because we're pulling out of port announcements a little bit. Because yeah. I just think that's where we're going. And part of it driven with Fultz is he's a free agent after the season. We've heard nothing. And, like, and I haven't heard even the whisper of potential contract extension or anything like that. So that tells me, again, I don't know that they're picking up the phone and calling the other 29 teams. You want Fultz yet? You want Fultz yet? I think it might just be, hey, what are you looking for? Or Hey, we think you might be looking at a guard. Yeah, we've got some. Like, what, where are you at? Like, let's have a conversation. And that's probably where, where it kind of comes around to because they think they'd be Anthony's a little harder to trade because of the poison pill. So that's kind of takes him semi off the table. And then I, I think they're probably with Jalen Suggs in a spot where it's 
probably not, right? Like they would right. have to be a much bigger trade um, for us to even consider that. So I think that's how we get there with guys like Carter and Fultz. Personal opinion, I think it makes a lot of sense to explore the trade market for both guys, just because I think there are salary-wise and they have proven to be fairly replaceable in a reasonable way. Um, I, I think we're in a spot where, yeah, we could see a trade that makes a lot of sense um, for the magic where it's maybe it's the two of them together in a deal. Maybe it's separate deals. I don't know. We'll see. But I do think it's, it's different than like a year ago where it's like, eh, what are we going to get out of this right now? It could be, yeah, we could get somebody who could really help us step forward. I think the big thing for the magic is, you you threw Siakam out there, and we're just kind of throwing out unrealistic yeah, dudes. Yeah. You put Siakam out there, if like for let and he wouldn't make sense positionally or any right, of that right. other stuff. It does not make sense. But I also that. think he doesn't make sense because they are not close enough to go trade for Siakam and say hey, he's going to lift us into finals contention. If he just walks, who cares? He did what he had to do. He he did the Kawhi Leonard for us that right. Kawhi did for Toronto. They're not close enough to that, so it has to be a deal that makes sense for not only the next four months, five months of this season, but for the year after and probably the year after that. So that's where those are the kind of guys I'd be be looking at there. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. I I, I think the Magic, you know, coming into this season, and I'm going to shift a little bit away from Markel Fultz and, and Wendell Carter. I mean, they might come back up in a conversation as we land this plane here in the next, you know, 10 minutes, um, is I look at the Magic in a sense to be able to to, to help teams that want to get under the cap. Right. We do have a lot of team like players on expiring contracts where a team might need to get under a cap, move a player to help get them there. Um, also, a team might not want to resign a player like a buddy heel type situation where it's like they know they're not going to bring them back next year. Most likely the magic like, hey, let's see how this works. And if it works out, maybe they would like to resign him in a situation like that. Yeah, that's um, a great example of a two teams in a similar place. Right. Making a trade that one of those almost rebalancing trades, right? Where this helps both of us. So that's a perfect example of a guy you could target. The framework of a trade that myself and I'll give a shout out to my friend Malik Grady, um, who's really active in NBA, like Twitter X world, um, is that you, you have Gary Harris, who's probably not going to be on this team next year. Um, and then probably we mentioned him earlier, Chumo KK, who's played really nicely so far in this like little stretch, but he's also mostly sat at the end of the bench most of his career outside of this, this little stick like segment here. And, and you can just kind of see like he's, he might be an odd man out. And so when you, you put those two guys together, plus the Denver pick and shoot, maybe a second rounder or two or something like that. But that could be a framework for something there. You know, that, that those two guys on, on their contracts get you about $17 million. There's a lot of guys that could be available around $17 million. That gets you, and again, I'm going to throw names out there. I don't know if any of these are realistic, but kind of guys I've been like, oh, that could be something. You know, is is Buddy Heald, as I mentioned. There's the Malcolm Brogdon in the world. It gets you into that salary range. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. In, in Chicago, he's becoming a free agent. Do they want to keep Toronto. him there? Does him and his – or Toronto, yeah, sorry, thank you. Do they – you know, does he – is is their agent interested in a change of scenery too? Does this make sense? Um, is he a more like, and like, I don't think we're going to see like, I think the type of guys, like you mentioned earlier, are like 
better versions of a Gary Harris, right? That are that are maybe higher volume three point shooters and better better like health like consistency for this team. Maybe maybe it's not like the two way player he is. Like if we get Buddy Heald, but his offense is so much better than Gary's, right? Um, and or something like that, or like Gary Trent Jr. Again, I don't know if this is something the Magic are even thinking, but if they were to get him a healthier, higher volume Gary Harris, you know, similar playing <laughs> style, but healthier and higher volume, um, you know, and with the magic, they need a little bit more volume from three. They don't have a single guy that averages more than like four or five attempts. They could use someone that in that seven, eight range of attempts from three. And, and those guys are kind of hitting that check. What are some mo- names around the league that you think the magic should, uh, or magic fans should like, be interested in not saying we're going to go call these guys and or any of these trades are going to come to tuition. Like listeners, please know this is all hypothetical between me and Keith. <laughs> I definitely don't have league in sources around the, the league. And I'm sure Keith isn't going to break any news on this podcast. If even if he has in like sources. So I'm going to, I'm just going to like preface that for our listeners. What are, what are some frameworks and, and some types of names that you think potentially could be on the magic roster at the end of this deadline? Yeah, let's do let's do some reckless speculation, right? Yes, like the, you know, but that's the fun of this, right? Like, yeah, and that's exactly. that's part of the fun of this whole whole time of year. So, you mentioned about you hit on a bunch of the names there. So, I the, the one I really like for the Magic is Malcolm Brogdon, just because yes. I think he fills a a number of needs. He can also be if if you have a better guy in front of him, he's proven he can be a high value sixth man. Uh, it gets a little bit messy with him and Cole, but you can probably figure that out. And he's got go a little there. bit more size there too. Though. Yeah, a little bit more size. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a uh, little bit more of a playmaker as far as mm-hmm. he can be a pretty good passer. He'd even be somebody where, like I know you mentioned, kind of the Harrison Kiki package or OKK. Um, I would probably think about that. Might be one more I'd think about Fultz. Yeah, just oh, because like that, like one two. You get Brogdon for next year on a very yeah. fair number. I don't have to worry about what am I going to do with Markel Fultz and his next contract because I think that is a potential to just get very weird uh, where yeah. that could kind of go because I'd be terrified to lock in for more than a couple years uh, for Markel Fultz at this point. Just the track record of availability is not there. So Brogdon's a guy I love for this team. Full I, I disclosure, wanna, I, I love ahead, Brogdon sorry. for like 12 other teams too just because <laughs> I think Portland's going to move him. But go ahead. And no, I just want to say for Magic fans, this is not like a long-term move. This is like a, hey, he could help us for the next couple of years kind yep. of move, right? That's and and, yeah. and maybe when this team is contending, he's probably not on the on the roster. It's like a, either not let's, on the let's... roster or he's on the roster in a lesser role on a lesser right. contract. Right, exactly. Think Al Horford with the Celtics right mm-hmm. now, right? Really still a key important player, but he's, his numbers come way down. That's probably where we're headed with a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, as sure. opposed to jumping into the Zach Levine waters or yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, a couple other guys who come to mind. I think a guy like Luke Kennard could really help the magic. And I already said it. I mean, Memphis might benefit from just, Hey, these two guys actually can play. Like they, they, they can put sneakers on and get on the court. It sounds a little weird because the magic have their own injury issues. Um, but you know, we, we could definitely see something like that. If new Orleans wanted to do a guy like Najee Marshall, um, that's a very easily acquirable deal because he's almost on a minimum. Um, that's somebody who makes sense. And we, I think Gary Trent Jr. is probably about the only guy from Toronto that I would really be in on because a lot of other guys, you're starting to get too much duplication on the roster with what you've already got. It gets sure. messy. If they wanted to target 
a guy who I think can really play and could help them right now. A guy like Javon Carter makes next to nothing for the Bulls. And he's actually, with the amount of guards the Bulls have, he's not playing very much. And he's somebody who could come in. And why I like him is, one, he's, he would probably be right up there uh, with Suggs as far as one of the best defensive guards um, around. And that you, you know Jamal Mosley would love. All right, deal with this for the next five minutes, right? Like, I'm going to put these two guys on your ball handlers, and good luck. Um, he's also very good off ball. I think he's a really good spot-up shooter. And that's where – I've said this on Twitter the other day. I'm very cautious with Orlando going too all-in on a guy who is going to take the ball out of Paulo and Franz's hands too much. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I think you can benefit from a little less from the two of them where they've got to create everything, but I don't want it being, Hey, you're relegated to the corner for the next three minutes of game time. And that's where I think a guy like Brogdon could really help. I think a guy like Carter could help. Um, those are, you know, some of the ones you mentioned, Trent, I think is just, he's a good fit for a lot of teams who knows where Indiana is going to go, but like TJ McConnell, like God, the fans would love him. Cause he's just, he's such a pain in the butt. To, sure. to go against, so that's a huge compliment just because of the the way he plays. Everybody's going to be kind of looking at like Portland, like what can we pick off there? Um, San Antonio, the the San Antonio challenges. Could Doug McDermott help the Magic? Yeah, probably. But that's the kind of deal that you make at two thirty on trade deadline yeah, day, where totally. it's like, all right, yeah, we'll jump in, we'll grab a guy like him or Jetty Osman, and we kind of go the Carter trades probably a little bit more in that vein. Uh, the Pistons, there's just not great matches there. Alec Burks, but again, that's probably there. If you want to go a little bit bigger, somebody like Boyan Bogdanovich could really help this team just with his creation ability. Yeah. And you probably He's, put him he, on the second unit, kind of like a bigger Brogdon. Yeah, and that name's been thrown around a little bit for, yeah. for with, with Magic Community too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bogdan he, Bogdanovich, just you know, another guy who I think could help this team. I've totally. seen... Some Magic fans I've had, some of them ask me, like, should they be in on DeJounte Murray? I don't hate it, right? That's the kind of that's the kind of bigger-ish move I could probably get behind because he's on a really good good value contract going forward. I think he's the kind of guy who um, he compliments uh, Franz and Paolo and lifts them without taking away too much from them. I don't love it because he's just not great off ball. So that's where... That part's a little messy. Him and Suggs, if Suggs shoots it the way he is capable of in spurts, that becomes more consistent. I feel a lot better about it. Otherwise, totally. you're, just, you're just a little too stressed with shooting uh, there out of your backcourt. So I don't hate it, though, especially if it was like, hey, we're trading Fultz in that Denver first for Murray. Yeah, sure, all day. Like, I don't know that's enough, though, right? Then, Probably not. Then that's where it does it get a little too sideways, right? Are we like, hey, but if you could get Murray and Bogdanovich and it's Fultz, the Denver first, and we throw in Gary Harris and I don't know, Jet Howard just as kind of you want a younger guy to take a shot on, those start to feel a lot more like, all right, that I can kind of sure. get behind. You know, th- those kind of moves. So those are kind of the guys I'd be be looking at. It's not I know some people, and I'm sure you get this all the time covering the team, and I know some of the other people who cover the team are like, every day it's Zach Levine. Like, why are we yeah. not going to get Zach Levine? I just don't know that that's perfect because if you do Zach Levine, that's it. Yeah, We now locked in for the next two, three years. This is the roster, right? 
yeah, you can always make other trades and do stuff, but it really is. We traded most of our trade capital to go get them as far as matching salaries and the like. And now any chance of cap space is out the window and where this is it, right? This is, this is, this is what we've got. If you believe Zach Levine can be that guy. And I do feel the discourse has turned too far on Zach Levine where people now it's like people are like, he stinks. He's not even good at basketball. It's like, what are we doing? Like this, he's still one of the best scorers in the game. Like this guy is still a very good player. Is he, is his contract a little worrisome? Sure. But it's not, it's just gone way too far in my opinion. I agree. So that's where, like, yeah, I mean, you could make a move like that and go get him if you really wanted to. Because I think, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of down to, it, it could be something like Fultz, Isaac, and OKK, and you're there matching salary-wise, and it doesn't even sound like you'd have to give up a lot of picks. But you've no. got to be really sure that Zach Levine is the guy to lift us to where we want to be over the next couple of years. And there's not something else out there that you feel like is a better move. Because once you make a move for a guy like Levine, you can't make that other move. Now, now that right. that's out the window. And, and then you have like the fit question a little bit too. He's really like high usage. That's going to take a lot of, you know, a lot of the ball out of Apollo's uh, hands. And also, you know, he's never not really been the the best player on a team. So could he come and, and, and be cool with, 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 like this still being Paulo's team and you're you're second to him to an extent, right? And if not that, third, right? Or third, yeah, Franz. even Franz. Exactly. Yeah, like I I think I think you'd plug him in. Now, one thing I will say, Levine is pretty he he's better than he gets credit for as an off ball guy. Yeah. Like well, he is a pretty good off ball sure. shooter. So I if if we're sitting here three weeks from now and the magic have traded for Zach Levine, unless it gets stupid and this runoff is not gonna yeah. do that. They're they're con- they're good. I'm not going to be like killing them where like, oh my God, they ruined everything. I just, I, I, I just don't know that that's the move. Like, Feels too cause, soon. Because again, it's that's probably gonna there be in the, the summer move. too. You know, I don't yeah, know if Levine's yep. really going to get moved yeah. this, this deadline. Like it, it's, there's so little teams that have the ability to match salary. Um, and then again, there's too many teams like us where it's like, oh, do we want to lock ourselves in right now? That, that That's probably an off season. Like, acquisition in my opinion whereas a guy like murray makes half what levine makes so you're not really you're not locking into anything where it's like oh gosh you can move that contract so much easier yeah yeah i'm gonna throw one more name out there to you half of that and just in terms of length so that's even easier one to swallow so yeah i think it'll be more of a smaller move yet still impactful in terms of contract and length and all those things i just i just don't know that they're ready to make the all-in trade right now totally i honestly there was a world where i was like for a little bit there he's kind of playing pretty well and i was like man they need more depth go get chris paul because the warriors could probably do something along the lines of all right you know what we just need to take a swing at adding depth so we'll take fultz and harris and if I was the magic, it's like, yeah, it sucks giving the those two guys up. But Chris Paul, if it is like, hey, he could come in here for two years. This year we'll guarantee his deal for next year. And then if it's not working out, guess what? Now he's a thirty million dollar expiring contract. We could flip next season if we needed yeah. to. Now that he's hurt, or just have I'm off space in the twenty twenty five, which is a great yeah. free agency year. Yep. Yeah. Now that Chris Paul's hurt, I'm kind of off that because I'm like, I just yeah. you know. That's Another really hand right injury now. for this guy. Like, where yeah. where are we going with this? But but there was a point in time where I was like, that's even a kind of move I could make. Because, again, 
that's not an all-in move. You're not locking in anything beyond the next year or two. No, I no, I agree. Um, if he was healthy, I would be a little more semi open to that. I just have a hard time with Chris Paul in general. Um, but but yeah, maybe <laughs> he just maybe. would be. You know, he'd get he'd <laughs> help he'd this bring team the, get to where they're trying to go. Yeah, yeah, he's a floor may, riser for sure. He's good. Yeah, I mean, you may like Paulo may want to punch him in the head by the end of the season totally. just because he's been screamed at every day. But you know, yeah, I'll say DeAndre Ayton good. Chris Paul came and DeAndre Ayton immediately started playing the best basketball he's ever played. Totally. Yeah. And that's, you know, Chris Paul's not Chris Paul anymore. He's not the point guard anymore, but, but he makes people he's still a lot better. Pre- pretty good. But yeah, yeah but hey, one now la- I'm off that just with the injury. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Um, one last name I want to throw at you just because I'd be uh, in trouble with the magic community if I didn't bring <laughs> this name up um, is, is a, uh, uh, gosh, and now I'm spacing on his name. Um, the point guard in Washington, Tyus, uh, Tyus uh, Jones. Tyus Jones. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he's been linked at, I have my questions about it. Like I was really high on it in the beginning. And then I've like, I've slowly come down on, on him, um, as a target. I'm not anti it, but I'm not like in love with the idea. What are your thoughts before I give mine on, on Tyus Jones? If you could, could, God, it sounds like I'm picking on Markel Fultz here, and I and I hate that because because I, I want, think any I, I point so, guard coming in means you have to move Fultz going out. Yeah, as just much doesn't as a make good story as Fultz is, I, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. my opinion. I, I'll say it. Magic fans can be world, mad at me. Right, my ideal world would be tomorrow. Markel Fultz wakes up and he's like, "Holy cow, I'm fully healthy, and I'm going to be for the next five years." And the Magic just lock in and they're happy, and we go because I really like Markel Fultz, but. Be we we don't live in fantasy land, even though we're right, right down the road. Um, it's it's uh, I I am very much in the mindset of if it was like Fultz and maybe the Denver pick, but ideally maybe Fultz in a couple seconds. Done. Go get Tyus Jones because one, then you get you're going to get his bird right, so you have the leg up on re-signing him, which is really good if 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 it fits and it works in the way it is. And I think he's a guy who would really come in. Help stabilize the position. He's a pretty good player. He's 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 not perfect by any means, but he's a pretty good, solid player. He's going to help you. He's reliable. He's a guy who's just he's available every night, pretty much. And and no one's going to be like, oh my god, you know, start planning the parade down Orange Ave. No one's going to do that if you trade for Tyus Jones. But you're just going to be in a position where you're a better team than you are today if you go get him. So yeah, I'd be all over that. Now I'm not going nuts. I'm not trading one of my own first round picks or multiple first round picks and not giving up any one of the younger players in the deal for him. And I'm sure Washington would be like, okay, yeah, matching salary and Anthony black, like give us that. I wouldn't do that. That doesn't make sense to me. No, I, yeah. I'd even be hesitant to do jet Howard just cause you just invested a good first round pick in him. So I would be, well, yeah, if it was like Fultz and a single pick again, I keep kind of throwing the Denver pick in there and it's not, it's just because it's of, an extra. A lot it, of fans are throwing that pick in. I've even yeah. thrown in the the. We haven't even talked about it. The 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 sort of weird Phoenix Suns pick that we kind of have. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's. I mean, that pick is that's so protected in like a bazillion yeah. different ways. It probably yeah. won't convey, but it's like you know, it's sort of there. Um. My worries with Javante Carter is not that he's a bad basketball player. Is that he is another six one guard, and we already sure. like just committed you know, 30 something million dollars to, to Cole Anthony. And yep. they're like the same size. Um, and, and he's due for, a, a, a you know, he's a free agent this summer. So Javon like, Carter. 
or sorry, not Javon Card, Tyus, Tyus Jones. Jones. I yeah. yeah, I meant Tyus Jones. Yeah. I'm having a hard time with his name today. And it's, <laughs> it's like early, I've said man, it a thousand I times. made you record early. <laughs> yeah. No, you. I'm I'm thankful for it. So Tyus Jones is, you know, he's he's like six one. Well, you sure. know, Cole, yeah, uh, you know, Cole Anthony is, is that same size. We just paid us, you know, a, a point guard that size, you know, an extension with Cole Anthony. Um, is that it, it'll help us in the regular season? I, I wonder how it helps us in the playoffs when, you know, you have two six one guys on the floor potentially at the same time during certain That's segments. A challenge. Are they You're just going to really get attacked gonna be able over to do and that. over? You know, yeah. I want if I'm trading for a point guard, I that's why Malcolm Brogdon, I know he's got a little bit of, you know, not a little bit. He's got some injury issues, you know, over his years, too. But, you know, he's like six, four, six, five, at least with a plus wingspan, you know, can guard a couple positions. And and honestly, last year and this year, he's been really healthy. Like he had a little bit of a thing with his hand at the end of last mm -hmm. year, but he's not missed a large chunk of time in a couple of seasons now it's been a game here maybe three or four games there but then he's back so um yeah anyways that's kind of like my, my yeah quick i'd thoughts be all on over malcolm brogdon dude yeah that, that's this, yeah i'd be all over him a lot of sense can get him yeah yeah and it's it's just one where feels like he's pretty acquirable it's not gonna cost you an arm and a leg to go get him and i it, the bit my my biggest takeaway that i would say that i want like magic fans to know is I trust in this front office to yeah. make the right decisions. I just, I, they're just, they're, they're not going to make the all in trade where when I sit down to break it down, I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> you know, like, they, what, what happened? Like, well, what was the thought process here? I, there may be a move where I'm a little like, huh, that's interesting, but I'm going to put my faith in. I'm sure it's going to be okay. Like, I'm yeah. sure they've got a plan and a, a vision for where this is going to go. I just, I trust in what these guys do and how they do it. I, I think we're, I, the track record is now too long. This is not one season where we kind of tore the team apart and then, you know, went forward from there. And, and now it's like, they've done that part of it. Now it's about adding pieces to keep things moving forward uh, for these guys. And, and I think they're going to do it in a smart, responsible way. I don't, I don't think we're going to see them go, you know, bonkers over, uh, let's go go get like they're not going to trade a bunch of stuff for Kyle Kuzma because it's yeah. Kyle Kuzma scores twenty points per game right there right that's 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 the old magic not this front office and that takes on a national level people years to think differently about a team where it's like this this just isn't the same team I'll I'll leave it with this go get some form of shooting for the love of God thank you like I I just I can't. Yeah, it's starting. There are times when watching their games is like watching the NBA I grew up on in the 90s, just at a faster pace. Like they don't just walk the ball up the floor, but the results are become the same a lot in a lot of these possessions where it's like there's also too much good offense that they run that ends in a clanked jump shot. Yeah. And it's like I, I've, I've started at the point where unless it's Gary Harris four times a game, maybe. Or Franz Wagner, I just don't really trust that it's going in when the ball swings to somebody. Caleb Houston, I'm starting to believe a little bit more. And That's he's been, been a real volume bonus up this too. Run. He's been yeah, great. exactly. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I'm happy to see. It's funny because I saw someone say the other day, like Caleb Houston needs to calm down. No, he does not. 
can you keep it fly, up? Cause I don't, that's what you do. So, I don't think magic yeah, fans go, go realize how little volume we shoot of threes yeah, when we're all healthy. Right. Yeah, we're not, yeah. we're like the lowest in percentage and lowest in takes and like yep. just getting up the takes up will help the percentage up if the shooter's decent. Right. Um, yeah. That's a, yeah. I don't want yeah. Goga Batadze take a 10 threes right, a game. No, start no. Tomorrow. He's like, fine that's out a, one every five Which games. is weird because that's what <laughs> the Pacers tried to make him when sure. he came into the league. And it's like, that's certainly not what he is at all. But yeah, I, I want, and it doesn't mean like I want Paulo dribbling into, you know, contested 30 footers with 20 seconds left on the shot clock. I don't want that either. I just want, you know, there's too many times where I think they've, they, they probably lead the league and it's not an official step of record scratches where it's like you were open, but you hesitated to beat too long. You didn't take it. And now you dribbled into something contested. And yes. it's like, just give me the guy who's like, I'm, I'm open enough. I'm going to let it fly. Like let's let's go, and that's that. That's what I want to see. I don't mean to laugh when you said that scenario, but I literally yell at the screen every single time I see that multiple times a game, and I've been yelling at that same play yeah. for like years. You're wide open at the three, yet yeah, you're driving into it's the not, paint it's not, this, where there's it's three years. Of defenders yeah. right there. Yeah, and you said it doing? when you said it's years. Like it's been yeah. years of that same. It's so same annoying. Thing. That's why, like, there was a play. Yeah, I'm going back probably close to a month now. Like they came up the floor in semi transition, and um, I think it was Cole drove, pulled in the defense, kicked it to Anthony Black in the corner, and he just shot it. No yeah. hesitation. I was like, yes, just shoot. Then, like, not even two or three minutes later, same almost setup, same scenario. They threw it to him, and he missed the first one, so he hesitated on the second one. Yeah, and then the defense caught up. All the rotations were there. You just either shoot it or go, shoot it or put put your head down and and go and kick it back or whatever it is. But yeah, I just there's there's a little too much, and and I'm picking on the rookie some who sure, he'll learn sure. and figure it out. He'll figure it but out. He's not the only one. Paulo does it still. Franz mm-hmm. does it still. There's even times when like Gary Harris will do it. And it's like, dude, you're the vet on the roster. Like you're you, supposed to let you're it fly. The one we want to shoot. Yeah. Like, like you know, there's, there, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, uh, our, our mutual, you know, buddy, Phil Rossman, right? Oh, I've been like, Phil, good yeah. God, would Gary get more <sighs> selfish? Please. Like, yeah. Like, I, I don't even want you making the right plays anymore. Take a couple contested three pointers. Totally. Cause like you need them just to open the floor. So yeah, if you could get like a buddy healed, who's, he, he's never not open enough to shoot. Yeah, make it happen. Brogdon, it's funny. I, I would love the Magic fans going through the same thought process that Celtics fans did with Brogdon. His shooting motion, I can I, I compared it to he looks like he's trying to throw a medicine ball through the hoop with a torn rotator cuff. Like it's just it's painful and it's slow, but it works. You know, it works, it's feel- effective, it goes in. He he he'll shoot that way from 30 feet. You know, it doesn't you know, it doesn't bother him. Like he makes them. So it's, it's just funny. Cause with the first few times you see it, you're like, Oh God, is there something wrong with him? Like, what what happened? And then eventually you're just like, no, oh, it's just how he shoots. And kind of going back a little bit, but you remember Kevin Martin had that extreme yep. wind up. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's not like that, but it's just one of those weird motions where it's like, how does that ever go in? But it does. So, you know, I would kind of welcome that too. So big thing though, I trust front office to make the right moves. And I trust that the front office is to, to what you kind of started this whole thing with. They're going to do something. They're not just going to stand pat and sit on their hands at the trade deadline because it's just not what they do. Yeah, They'll do something. It's probably in that like middle tier that we've talked about 
Um, you know, maybe maybe the most minimal thing I could see them doing is is potentially like dumping Gary Harris for like a couple seconds just to give like uh uh Caleb Houston more run yeah. um with his volume because he's kind of been filling in pretty nicely there. Um, you lose a little bit of defense, a little bit of playmaking with Caleb, but you get a lot more flame flame throwing offense from him, you know. So, which is really cool with his three point shooting. But and just anyways, miles under the luxury tax, I yeah. could see something where it is, hey, all right, we'll take on player X in a trade just because because sure. we can, and we'll get a second because I mean they've done that. But I mean, it feels like they made ten of those trades with the Celtics alone over the Dude, years. It feels real. like yeah. I mean. And you know what? Sometimes you look at those trades and you're like, yeah, who cares? And sometimes those trades are Mo Wagner. And then all of a sudden you've got a guy who's a rotation player for you and you're like, hey, all right. So that's why I don't I don't hand wave away any transaction, no matter how small it is, unless it's like they got this guy in a meeting in the same tweet where Woj says the trade, Woj says they're going to buy the guy out. Then I'm like, all right, this was only about getting a pick. Like, let's right. not be silly about this. But if the player sticks on the roster, I'm always open to might be something more here so totally it's just yep yeah, but yeah they're gonna do something and, and it's and it's probably gonna be something where like yep i like it they, they that was they good. good i can't wait to to hear your podcast episode when you break down the magic trade and they trade for uh you know our guy malcolm brogdon with his weird <laughs> with his weird shooting motion that is shooting 41 percent from three right now so just magic fans out there be open-minded even despite his injury history let's 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 get some good on this player. You know, uh, I forget who uh, uh, Chris Vernon, you know, he's like, you just want good players on the team, right? Yeah. Like the rest will get figured out. You want good players on your basketball team. Yep. So um, Keith, we, we talked about wrapping this around 45 minutes, but we've now gone an hour and 15 minutes. So Shocking. Uh, 30 minutes over. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think this is like the norm when you come on the show is, you know, at least an hour plus. Um Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Um, Magic fans, again, thank you for tuning in. You can find Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA on, on X or Twitter, whatever platform you name you want to use. I have, I've kind of transitioned to X, but I still say Twitter on these, uh, on these shows. Um, Keith, uh, you know, I, I said in the beginning, your front office show in spot track, but is there anything else you want to plug before we say our goodbyes? No, we're there, man. Yeah, front office show. This is the time for us. If you're interested in what we just spent an hour talking about, that's what we do every day. Not usually an hour's worth, but it's usually somewhere in the half hour to an hour range. And we go through all the latest news and notes around the league and just get into all of it. And this is our time of year because we do a lot of this stuff. And we joked about it before. We didn't do an emergency podcast with the little Pistons Wizards trade. But like when the, um, the, the, uh, OG Ananobi trade went down. We jumped on the mics within an hour or so of it, broke it all down live, and it got into it. So we'll do that. We did when Kevin Durant got traded last year. It was at 2.30 in the morning Eastern, and we we jumped on the mics and went live. I'm not going to guarantee that's going to happen because sometimes I am asleep and out sure. and, and done, but I happen to still be kind of awake, and we 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 got into it. So, yeah, this is the time to run off the show. And then over on Spot Track. I will, no matter how my, if the Magic make a tax avoidance move to help another team, I will have a write-up on Track. We're going to do a write-up about every single trade uh, that happens between now and the start of the offseason. Or start, really, we're just going to keep going because we'll do it in the offseason too. But between now and the trade deadline, every single trade that gets made, we'll have a write-up about it just explaining what we think the thought process was for either team and where they may go from here. 
Yes, sir. All right. Well, Magic fans, make sure to tap into Keith. He's killing it. Uh, I mean, you, you seriously, you've read his work and you probably don't even know it um, on Spot Track. If you've ever like Google search player salary uh, or, or like team cap space, you, you know, it's either Spot Track or I'm not going to mention the other website, but it's always like the top one. And you're, you're clicking on it and you're reading at the very end. It says, you know, Keith Smith at the bottom. That's that's him. So uh, honestly, check out his show. It's great. I really do enjoy it. I'm not just saying I listen to it. I, I listen to it probably at least three days a week. So um, check it out. And, uh, you know, let's tune in for this Magic Knicks game later today, which you guys probably won't listen to this by then. I'm not going to have it live by then. But, but let's go Magic. Peace. Keith, thank you so much. Um, yeah, man.